Welcome back, Andy Wright. Uh, this is Andy, your host, as always. Um, and I'm back on Zoom this week. I know last week we were recording live in our studio, but um, today we're joined by uh, Jim Fairchild. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Andy. How's it going? Not bad. So I was actually um, checking out you, um, Small Isles. It's your band. You have a new album that dropped uh, Friday. And uh, Yeah, last Friday. Yeah, every, it, it dropped everything. very quickly. <laughs> everything on memory, correct? That's the name. Did I lose you? Oh, there you are. There you oh, are. sorry. <laughs> um, Everything on Memory is the name of the album. And I was checking it out. And I mean, you're known for your time with Modest Mouse and other bands, but this seems very different than what I was expecting. Is is this how would you de- Thank let's you. start with? How would you describe the music? It seemed very atmospheric to me. Um. You know, man, the way that I think of this music is I've always been really into film scores. And so oh, okay. I think of all three of the Small Isles releases so far as imagined scores for imaginary films. And so, like, at the, at the core of it, I've, I have, not basically, I've imagined some movie that I want to exist or, or that appeared in a dream or something like that. It seems cool to me. Mm-hmm. And then I start the process of scoring that movie. Like what, what, you know, what would the sort of themes of the audio themes of this be? And, and what would it look like? I kind of have like abstract versions of what it would look like in my head. And then I start responding with, okay, how could I push that forward? And in this particular case, um, so the first, the first one uh, was, was I was imagining is kind of like um, Rick Moody had written an updated version of the Ice Storm, yeah. Um, which which he wrote the original book, you know, and then and then Ang Lee directed that movie. And I was imagining that Rick Moody had written an updated Ice Storm set in California, like in kind of 2020, and um, or it was before that when I was writing it, but around that time. And then uh, Ang Lee had directed it, but they had, which which is you know who directed the Ice Storm, but then um, that they had collaborated more. So like they basically said, okay, we're, we're making this movie together. That was the first record. The second one was imagining this kind of like coming of age story in San Francisco Mm -hmm. um, with like these disparate youths, kids from all over the map from different like social spheres and economic spheres and all these different things. Um, um, That was the second EP, which was uh, one co- that came out earlier this year called Out in the Sunset. And then the one that just came out, I was imagining that, uh, and this this actually did come in a dream. I, I, I thought Atlanta was like the best show maybe ever made. I don't know. but Which, What show? Sorry. I really love Atlanta. Okay. The Donald Glover show. Uh, oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... For whatever reason, I had this dream that Donald and Stephen Glover had written a movie, which was a response to the lyric that Isaac, my friend Isaac, wrote from Modest Mouse to the Modest Mouse song, Third Planet. Um, And then um, Christopher Nolan directed it. This happened in a dream. And it was right when I was first starting to put together the initial ideas for this EP. And I was like, Fuck, that sounds like a cool movie to score. So I <laughs> set about scoring it. <laughs> do, do dreams influence your music a lot? I mean, I, I very rarely remember my dreams. It's usually if I am, it's usually a really stressful time. And my dreams are just absurd nonsense. Um, but do you, do you get a lot of influence for your music from dreams? I don't think I usually do. But, but in this case, it was just like, fuck, that's too good to pass up, you know? Like, so I gotta, I gotta do something with that. Um, I mean, I think, I, I think it's possible that it does, you know what I mean? Especially with music like this, where you're not kind of bound in because, you know, like there's that classic thing where if you, you know, you wake up and you, you're like, oh, I had this crazy dream. And you know, it's, it's like this, this magical fucking, uh, smorgasbord of whatever sort of bullshit in your conscious and subconscious mind mm-hmm. it's super interesting to you and then you start telling people about it you're like then there was a stop sign 
and a pine tree and a whale and they all combine forces to create a carousel and you know your your friends are just like oh okay dude like yeah I, who cares? And it's like trying you to know? explain that like okay it was the house i grew up in but not actually the house i grew up in exactly you know, kind, exactly you know. so there's these like these embedded apologies also <laughs> so yeah um with so i i think that if i tried to like maybe some people would have more success in in like putting that into lyrical form i certainly never have when i've done lyrical music but but i think with this kind of music maybe that sort of like subconscious dream state the kind of reflexive thing because you know how in dreams where it's like whatever you're you're the, the house that you grew up in appears but but then it tumbles into like the empire state building or whatever but but in your dream they have like a direct relationship or something that makes sense yeah um like that doesn't work as well probably in lyrical music but that sort of thinking may work a little bit better or maybe i'm just fooling myself but may work a little bit better with this type of music you know what i mean because it's like the other part of small isles that i'm really into is that uh i don't i don't want to tell anybody anything at this point in my life i feel like we're all told so much you know like we're all plugged into everything and we get moment to moment fucking color commentary on the political scene our favorite musicians and celebrities and you know whatever mm-hmm. and 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 number four is gonna surprise you <laughs> yeah i just don't fucking care about that stuff anymore like yeah. i just don't want to hear about i don't want to hear what anybody thinks really anymore i want to like that's not true you know what i mean i care but it's just like you understand what i'm saying i just no i, I don't do. want to be didactic yeah. in my approach i just like there's there are obviously like with this type of music because of the types of sounds that I might be using or we might be using or the chord sequences and things like that. You're implying stuff, but I just don't want to tell anybody anything. Cause mm-hmm. also like now that I'm older and I have a son and stuff, it's like, I know a lot. That's, I can hold that in one hand. The other hand, I don't fucking know anything. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I start to really like this trust, this idea of people speaking from a position of authority, which is not to say that people shouldn't make songs anymore. And I still listen to like, you know, narrative music all the time, but I just don't feel like I'm in a good position to tell people anything, but I, but I can suggest things. (laughs) And it's gotta, I I remember when my son was probably roughly your son's age, um, they were starting to learn things when you're not around. And I I remember my son walked in the room one day. He's like, daddy, I hurt my scapula. And I'm like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then he left the room and I had to call my friend and be like, bro, what's the scapula? <laughs> He's like, it's your shoulder blade. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it, and it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, I totally get what you mean though, that like you don't, like you want to hear what's important to the people who are important to you. But like just Joe Schmo's venting about whatever, like irritates them you're just like yeah i don't i don't care man like yeah there you go dude there you go like exactly that's a good way of saying it like man i got i got gallons full of uh sources of optimism and sources of potential hostility i don't give a shit man (laughs) i want to have a nice night with my wife my kid my dogs my friends yeah yeah no exactly and it's like to me that's like what's the most important part and i mean especially now like we're literally a week away from christmas um i'm not sure if you're a christmas celebrator or have some other thing but it's just yeah yeah everyone is so celebrants yeah everyone's so cranky and just up in arms about the dumbest things i'm like if that's the biggest worry you have i'm just not it it doesn't even affect me like whatever yeah totally yeah Um, exactly so so that's that's what that's what small isles is is like i want it i want people basically like we played our first live show a few weeks ago and what i told people is like these were all you know imagined scores for imaginary films blah blah blah. but i just want you to be able to like wherever this music takes you just close your eyes that my only suggestion is close your eyes Mm -hmm. and make yourself the main character in this movie and then that's that's it you know like that's that's what i want it to be so 
I, w- I was going to ask you if you play it live because I was very curious. Is it more like a coffee house kind of vibe or? Uh, I I do want to play it live. I mean, I yeah. want it to be arena rock without the rock. You know, yeah. like I want to. Um, I guess there is some rock in there, but that's what I want it to be. Is like I want it to be big, moving music. Um, you know, we played. There was a small string section. There was a small choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were three of us playing guitar. Um, uh, my friend was playing bass. My friend Keith, um, woman Debbie was like this amazing piano player. Like in that world, in the sort of like, I'm not a trained musician. I mean, I know I guess a, a fair bit about stuff, but these people who are skilled and trained, you know, like I got them all the music, and they just came in and they knew it, and it was so rewarding and impressive and um i don't know it was it was beautiful man and i want to do more of that so i'm you know i'm just starting to wrap my head around what the next I, there's two more releases two more records that i have like the the movies in my head that i want to start working on scoring and that's that's as i am also scoring um one tv show and then and then also a uh, another film you know so all you, these things are just like bouncing back and forth on each other do you want these to be actually converted into like do you want these movies that are in your head to become realistic like a, a, a realized i should say oh god i mean I, yeah i would i would love that of course for sure um i don't know you know i know a few actors but i don't I don't have that direct sort of contact, but I mean, yeah. Who am I kidding? Like, you know, if, uh, um, whatever, like if Ang Lee somehow suggested to somebody like, this is actually not a bad idea for a movie. I'd be like, great. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm ready to score it. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> it, in, it, it's one of, I feel like scoring movies and TV is one of those things that, so impacts our experience of them, but we tend not to even think about them. You know, yeah, I think that's right. I think even you know, um, based on the movies you're referencing, I don't think you're a big um, comic book movie guy, but you know, even just those little moments where they will cross over and then they add that little hint of the previous movies, you know, soundtrack. Oh yeah, to, I mean, you know, I, I love that stuff. You know, yeah, all those Easter eggs, all that subconscious, uh, the integration of, you know, maybe not even subconscious, con- but like subtleties that can that can reference, um, you know, past visual experiences. I mean, I, I I love that sort of stuff, and I definitely, you know, uh, my objective is to, you know, have the opportunity to score stuff like that. Um, at some point, you know, because yeah. I love those those big gestures. That's just it's not that's not where you start in this world, obviously. But I've also been really lucky in in getting to score anything so far. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular movie score that like really stands out to you as like the quintessential movie score that like you would kind of put Gosh, on? Gosh, there's a lot of them. I mean, I love. Uh, you know, I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly comes to mind immediately. Um, oh, yeah. Edward Scissorhands comes to mind immediately. Um, let me think for a second. Uh, I love a lot of the parts of the score. I don't love all of the cues, but I love a lot of uh, Jerry Goldsmith's score to Basic Instinct. I love um, a lot of the cues in Howard Shore's Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, so those come to mind immediately as like, um, but I'm, I mean, I listen to scores like all the time, like, and I, I have for a long time. Philip Glass's score to the hours comes to mind. Um, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, I don't know. I've always I've always loved that music, and um, when I was thinking about what I wanted like this decade of my life to be. Um, it definitely didn't involve touring as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involved, uh, I wanted to make more music than I ever had. Um, and one good way to do that is to be able to 
establish yourself as a as a person who's good at scoring movie and tv movie movies and tv shows because then it's like um your the demand is there to create a lot of music you know so um yeah and there's kinda, so much being created now for all the different streaming services and you know yeah that's right exclusive thing so I, yep. I can't imagine so, an easy job to get, but I feel like there's got to be more of them. Yeah, they're definitely not easy to get. And, you know, the competition is is real. I mean, there's people who are doing such incredible work out there. Um, but, you know, like, I, you know, you just, you try to do a better job than is expected of you, like anything, and uh, and dig in and be honest about it. There you go. Oh. Hey, you guys. Sorry, my doggies are... Oh, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> what, what kind of dogs are they? We have a little Shiba mix. Yeah. And then we have a Kai Kent. Um, so we have a little Shiba mix from Taiwan. She's like, she's 12 and a half. And then Ash off. And then we have a little Kai Ken who are, uh, they're relatives of Shiba, I guess, mountain dogs from Taiwan or from, from Japan. Ash off. And, uh, and that's, that's who we have. Two little. That's awesome. Rugrats. I just I just flew up to um Oregon like um three months ago, I guess, and picked up the new one. Um and that was an incredibly surreal experience, just like because you know it's such an intimate relationship with dogs, right? So it's like I flew up there one Saturday morning and then I meet this dog and it's like, hey little dude, who I'm gonna spend the next, you know, 15 years of my life with. Let's let's get in the car and drive for 18 hours. Oh, that's kind of cool. A little bonding. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm a total dog person. And I always have two cat friends who are like, no, no, cats are the same. I'm like, they're totally not the same. They're just not, you know? No, they're absolutely not the same. Yeah. I mean, um, I love animals in general, but I'm definitely a dog dude. Like, I'm 100% a dog dude. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> to kind of get back a little on topic um when you when you're trying to get like a scoring gig like what is that you know is there i don't know like an audition or do you kind of like bring past work and you know do you bring these eps from small island like how how does that process even begin like it's not even something i've ever even thought of it's actually all those things you know like i mean with small isles the um a big part of starting this project was wanting to make this kind of a music, but also knowing that I wanted to get into scoring, it was like, well, I can, I can make the music and it can be out there as, you know, commercial releases. And then I can point to that. I can go, you know, I can, I can do a lot of different things, but if you like this instrumental music, mm -hmm. um, this might give you some suggestion for what I could do for a score for you. Um, so that's definitely a part of the impetus for, for starting that project. And then, um, you know, now that I have scored some more stuff, um, you know, being able to, you know, make playlists of those cues and, and play them for people like, you know, this is, these are some, some other things. Here's some happier stuff. Here's some tragic stuff. Here's some, uh, you know, tense stuff. Um, and then also just like, because it's a very involved process, right? So it's like, um getting to the point where it's like you're uh you're able to communicate with people on like a like we're doing right now like you have mm -hmm. to be able to just like spend time with people and do that sort of translation that's necessary for because not everybody can speak music right so oh you know, yeah they might sure. be saying whatever like it needs to sound more cloudy and then you need to know what or know them well enough to hopefully be able to translate that into something that's musical. It's going to like, you know, keep, keep the thing rolling and keep, keep it happening in a way that like, as you said, um, I mean, it's, it's nice if people could listen to the music and go like, that's great music, but also you, you don't want to, in most cases have people watching the movie going, what a great score, you know, it needs, they need to like, yeah, you almost want it to be kind of just subconscious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, if if you pulled it out, I mean, there's also the more Morricone approach where he was like, you know, no, just make make rad music. I do, I do think that's true. Yeah, but it's a very interesting puzzle to solve where it's like, oh, um, I 
I need to make rad music. That's not the only thing that people are thinking about while they're like, you know, uh, ingesting these characters or this narrative. <laughs> so that's a so, really fun challenge. So you mentioned like the idea of like having to make it sound more cloudy and, I, and I've done both work that is collaborative and what I would call art by committee, which I did not. Mm-hmm. I enjoy, I really love collaboration I don't enjoy art by committee. Do you ever get that kind of feeling where you're being noted to death or does it always feel like more collaborative with the producers and directors and whoever you're working with? I mean, fortunately it hasn't felt like noted to death yet. Um, You know, I mean, a few different things come to mind when you say that, like, yes, that can totally happen. Um, Let me say this, like the, the me of maybe 10 years ago, would be a lot less um, eager to like embrace that stuff. I wasn't mm-hmm. unwilling to work with people. The work that I had done 10 years ago in that world, I wasn't like, I wasn't obstinate, but there was a small part of me that was like, well, I, I made you some great music and it works. So that's yeah. not that that's the end of it, but that's, that's enough. Now I'm definitely at a place in my life where I'm a lot more like, this is a riddle and let's figure out, all the people who are involved who want to have some agency in helping me solve this riddle and I'm going to, I'm going to solve it, you know? So it's like, you hope I, I this isn't always the case, but you hope that if there are like network executives involved or produce all these different people, there's any rate number, you know, um, there's a whole range of people who might have some agency in the music. Um, you want to be able to be a better translator. I, I, I guess I kind of like the more customer service aspect of it. Yeah. Than I, than I used to, you know? Um, and then also, I mean, bands are incredible, you know, like, um, but bands are also very kind of closed off and movies and TV by their very nature, there has to be so many people involved with them to get the damn thing to happen. Right. Yeah, for sure. There's just so much going on that to be in that collab, that widely collaborative an environment, especially when it's like people who are really great at what they do. I, I love that because there's, I guess, a little bit of like, uh, I don't want to say parasitic is not the right word, but there's that part of me that just like is so eager to learn. It's like, what, what is a producer actually saying when they want this? work to go from a to d you Mm -hmm. know like how are how did they get this far like what is that process like for them and how does that facilitate this and the same with the editor and the same with the directors you know so like i just i love being a part of that energy you know it's super it's really exciting for me at this point in my life um to i don't know be a part of that ensemble yeah, I mean, like that's that's that collaborative nature that I love because you're you're, you know, two people have way more experience than one person can ever have that they can add to the project, and you know, it, it almost seems to go ac- up exponentially the more you know the more people that are involved and if they're the right blend, you know, not everybody works well together, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I was I, I was that's working on this uh, public art project and. It was basically a, a conference room with like nine people and trying to interpret all of their ideas into like one cohesive image. And it was just, it, it was not an enjoyable experience. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm sorry. But uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, just like everything else. I mean, like that is part of my experience now. And I it gives me the opportunity when I see that kind of thing going, yeah, I don't know if this is for me, you know? like saying saying no was like such a powerful thing to learn yeah yeah it it really is it took me a long time to learn how to do it yeah i'm Um, not really great at it but you know i'm better (laughs) (laughs) with age man yeah andy i'm gonna have to walk up in like one minute and go get this little dude if you want i don't know what your evening is like i could call you back at like 250 or 550 for you Sure. I mean, um, that's I'm, that's fine by me. I can just kind of pause the recording and I'll just leave this um, open. Okay. Is it, will you? it be the same Zoom link? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Right. I'm going to hop back on. 
I'm just going to scoop him up, drop him off the house, and then I'll get back on right then. Sounds good. I'm sorry about this. Oh, don't be sorry, really man. Like it. I, I, it's, it's a parent thing. I get it. I'm looking forward to talking in a few minutes. Cool. Cool. Right on. Thanks, Andy. I'll talk to you All soon. Right. Sure. Bye. Hey, Andy. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> hey, I'm so sorry about that. And I appreciate your patience, your infinite yeah. patience. No worries, man. I was actually just uh, catching up on catching up, watching an old X-Files episode. I'm still not catching up. <laughs> we, um, I remember one of granddaddy's biggest celebrity sightings ever was, uh, was Jillian Anderson showing up at a show, not to see us, but when we were playing with Coldplay and it was like, you know, like we had had some, I guess, famous ish people around us before, like musicians who were into granddaddy, but then, um, she was, I guess there have been a couple of actors, but at the time X-Files was so big. It was like, Whoa, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. It's so funny, like how, like just these weird little moments. I actually interviewed um, someone for our other podcast um, called the Old Colony Cast. It's basically like a, a local history, true crime, points of interest. You know, all things Plymouth. Um, uh-huh. And this new newspaper started up. Uh, newspaper news website um, called the Plymouth Independent, and it's like just local news the way it used to be is kind of like what they're they're doing and so i got to interview the editor and we're like just kind of like talking and shooting the shit and then uh he at some point he'd mentioned that it was a musician and he's like oh yeah blah blah he's like that's when i was touring with ministry and i'm like what <laughs> he's like i was a keyboard player for ministry and i'm like just oh, wow. flabbergasted and i don't know what it is about plymouth but we have like this weird like i don't even say retired but older musicians come to live here or like old and how far is it like north of boston uh it's south of boston right? about 45 south, minutes okay. it's it's kind of like okay. almost on cape cod mm. but like yeah we have uh this little british store downtown and the woman who uh owns it used to be like the personal secretary for led zeppelin and the lead singer from striper lives in South Plymouth. It's just like one after the other. So I don't know what it is about this area, but yeah, it's like kind of these brushes with the, these, you know, I don't know. If famous is the right word. I don't like that word, but well-known, I guess. Yeah. It's always weird. Um, d- did you ever, I mean, when you toured with granddad and modest mouse and, did you have those moments? It just felt surreal, surreal because people were acting to you that way. I mean, there, there are certainly like starting in the early days of granddaddy or not early days, maybe, but when we first started touring, that's a very bizarre thing to, I don't know, just to come face to face with. I mean, if I'm totally honest when you're, or maybe at least when I was a kid, I think it's pretty common, you know, like you kind of, you look forward to some moment when somebody's just going to recognize you at like a coffee shop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly, I don't, I wouldn't want to characterize that as feeling bad, but there are definitely times where it's happening and you're like, Oh, this feels, uh, I don't know, like imbalanced somehow that, that has happened. I mean, not that much like Jason from granddaddy would get that more than any of us because he's the singer and the, right. the architect the, the, the front man and then, yeah and then isaac you know isaac is is a very i mean they both are jason and isaac are both very revered figures but isaac um i guess in some ways i don't know how else to say it like a little more public mm-hmm. um and so there's like i've definitely you know i every maybe not every time, but a lot of the time when I'm out with Isaac or when I was, was out with Isaac, just like wherever, like he gets recognized. He's kind of a public figure. Um, The other side of that is like when people who, you know, you revere yourself start to get into what you're doing, that, that is a very bizarre thing and like it's it's been remarked upon 
innumerably, but David Bowie was a really big granddaddy fan. Oh my God. And, that how flattering but, is that? I don't know if I can do that. Tremendously, <laughs> tremendously flattering, but also, man, you know, the thing is in that specific, specific instance, um, you know, I guess at the time, I don't know exactly. I, he probably would have been in his late fifties or something like that when he, mm-hmm. but he would like talk about us in interviews all the time. He's like, you know, granddaddy is, is the band or, you know, whatever, some, something like that. And we had heard about that. But then when he showed up at a show for the first time, we met him a couple of times and, you know, like really talked to him, you know, like, a, a, a I don't want to say as a peer, but I don't know a better word for it. So let's just say that, even though I don't really feel that way, but anyway, um, he knew all of our names before he met us. Um, and he just, he was in possession of such a grace and such an elegance that, uh, you know, it's definitely like, wow. Like that's, that's where you want to go. You know what I mean? Like, obviously that dude has every reason in the world to be whatever you might think of as a celebrity, right? Like kind of arrogant and kind of cocky. Yeah. He was confident. And, and again, I don't know him at all, but like he, he seemed to possess a confidence, but it was just, he was, he was very like gentle and graceful. And it was just like, Oh shit. Like this dude, he did it. You know, he like, he went all the way through with it. And he's like, he's seems like a wonderful human being. You know what I mean? Who's just curious about music still. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's just the, the idea that that can actually happen you know and not they get to some point and become jaded or just entitled that they can still kind of be that normal yeah i mean my my understanding totally yeah i mean my understanding is like you know he lived i think it's like uh at i don't know it's like at lafayette and houston or something like that but anyway like sort of downtown new york you know lived there forever with him on and my understanding was that he was just kind of out and about like you know you'd he was at shows and uh, whatever, just like he was maybe at the stone at John Zorn's club or, you know, at, at, at Bowery or what he was just like, mm-hmm. he was, was just a dude who liked music, you know, <laughs> who also yeah. happened to have made, you know, 10 of the 50 best songs ever made. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny so, like, like r- around here we have, um, you know, Aerosmith sightings because uh, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler live maybe 15 minutes north of Plymouth. So like, you know, there's always photos of people, you know, oh, I ran into Steven Tyler at the grocery store and that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> and, and everybody says they're just like the, the nicest, most approachable, you know, they'll stop and take a selfie. And to me, it's just like, I can't imagine what that's like when people want to stop you multiple times on a day to just be like, Hey, can I get a photo with you? And just, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's gotta be a weird experience. I have, there's a friend um, who I didn't have his phone number, who is a very recognizable person. And uh, um, he's like, Oh, take down my number, you know, text me and we'll get coffee or whatever. And we were in a public place. This was kind of recently. And, um, He's like, so it's blah, 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 blah. And I was like, uh, Hey, let, let me just, just put in my <laughs> phone. Cause, cause there were, there were, there was like a group of people and I was just like, they might just be listening to his phone number. And so, um, but he, he was just like, you know, it's just, it's just part of it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. He did. He did like manually input the number, but he wasn't that tripping out. And then, you know, he just got stopped 15 more times the next 20 feet to, you know, do whatever <laughs> take selfies or sign autographs or whatever you know yeah like i don't i don't that's a, a lifestyle i don't know if i would ever want to achieve but um, no I, I definitely i don't want i don't want anything to do with that yeah yeah and especially i mean with a, a young son like you see some of these celebrity kids and you're just like oh that clearly had an effect on them growing up totally yep yeah. that's right um so, so what do you have next in, in line for the did you say there was i'm sorry if i am forgetting this uh you said there was one more ep that you were working on there's two albums that i want to make next year um yeah. i think i want them to be 
I mean, I guess, I guess they kind of become what they become, but the way that I'm thinking about them right now is that I want them to become albums. Mm -hmm. Um, and one would be kind of more of a, more of a summer release. Um, just because of the, the, the imaginary movie is a kind of, uh, the darker summer movie. And then the, the other one is a, uh, is a winter movie. So I would want one of them to come out like June, July, and then another one to come out in December. Christmas movie? <laughs> uh, it's. I mean, it's Christmas adjacent. Yeah, it's. It's oh, okay. like. Um, yeah, <laughs> Christmas adjacent. There we go. Um, is do you have you mentioned Angley several times? Is he your favorite director? Is there someone else that like really connect you can connect with like in their movies? Jesus, you know, I don't know. I asked this because I literally was having this conversation just the other day. I mean, I don't know that I have a favorite director. I mean, like when I, um, I love a lot of Scorsese's movies. I mean, um, Spike Lee's movies can be really fantastic. I, you know, like um ang lee has made some incredible movies you know crouching like also the range from like something like crouching tiger to ice storm this mm-hmm. is pretty crazy um which is maybe part of the magic of movies too right it's just like and i hope i, I wish music was somehow a little more like that where it's totally not because i mean that was kind of i think what surprised me about um your small isles work is how different it is from from your previous stuff and it, it fans can be very unforgiving when people want to kind of do something new. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a challenging thing. And I think it's something, I know that it's something that everybody wrestles with. I mean, back to like the Bowie example, he's a person who sort of continued to defy expectations. I think, cause he baked that in from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Like, is he, is he a balladeer? Is he like a glam rocker? Is he an arena rocker? You know, like it's, it's, he was all over the place. So I think people expected that. I also think that Isaac maybe deliberately, I don't know. We've never actually talked about this, but from modest mouse, like, you know, he's got his like pretty big actual hits, you know? Um, and, but then he also has like the kind of sleepier, like wild packs of family dogs or like the big epics, like stars or projectors or something like that. And I, his or their fans, modest mouse's fans have allowed him to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. but it's rare um and um but i do want small isles to be that and i you know there were a couple of deliberate steps on this new ep to like um i don't know to to turn the prism to the other side a little bit or something you know so that um can, so that hopefully we can kind of demonstrate earlier than later that um the objectives for this thing are just to I don't know. I just want to make interesting music that interesting. If, if it interests me, right. Cause I'm still a music fan. I still every Thursday night at nine or 9 PM, I just fucking devour as much as I can, you know, and some of it's just your designated time where you're like, leave me alone. I'm listening kind of thing. No, it's just, it's like, it's right after our son has gone to bed and I've kind of gotten my rituals out of the way. And that's, you know, so it's 12, 12 Eastern is when everything drops on, the dsps oh, I oh I got you. yeah yeah so i just go on and like you know get based on recommendations based on what is recommended to me um by the algorithm all the all the stuff but i just like just get as much of it as i can my point in saying that is like i am still the same person that i was as like a 12 year old as a 15 year old as a 20 year old who's just like i want to know what's happening out there <laughs> Yeah, I was very much, I always read like, um, I don't know, my business partner calls me a music snob as where like once something becomes popular, like I don't really listen to it anymore. And -hmm. I think it's more at that point, it's just overplayed and I'm kind of tired of it. But I used to, you know, read all the metal magazines and music magazines and I read the interviews with kind of the bigger people and focus on the parts where they were talking about what they were listening to and try to find 
new music that way. Cause I always found that really a great, you know, you know, the one that jumps to mind, I was, uh, I think it was an Axl Rose interview and he dropped, like he was listening to Soundgarden, faith, no more and someone else. And I went and looked all those mm-hmm. bands up and I'm like, these are all great. And then like eight months later, everybody's, you know, no Soundgarden, And, um, yeah, so I, I was always someone who actively likes to go out and find new music, and it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, I mean, I still I still do. I love knowing that you know we're still out there doing that. Um, I mean, it's it's harder for me to find favorites now, probably, but you know, like in the last number of years, I've I've in the last say decade, I've certainly gotten some new favorite artists. Um, what are so, you listening to that you would recommend? Um, uh, I mean, I listen to, you know, honestly, mostly what I listen to in the, um, like when I'm listening to music, um, is scores and hip hop. So, um, you know, the, I'm still listening to the latest Kendrick Lamar record, mm-hmm. um, he remains a favorite. Um, I liked that last Deaf Heaven record a lot. I know that you know they. Uh, some people didn't like that as much. That's a couple years old now. Um, the there was a Tyler the Creator record that came out like an extension of uh, what do they call? It? I don't know, like the expanded edition or something of um, the record that he put out like a year ago. Um, I just discovered this composer who I had never heard before called Laura Karpman, who did the Miss Marvel score. And I've, I've yeah. been fucking blown away by um, some of the stuff that she has done. Uh, like, I've been really taken with that. You see, I'm flipping through. Uh, I always pay attention to the um, the stuff that Jeff Russo does. He, he just put out the... Um, uh season five i haven't even seen season five yet but season five score of fargo um okay yeah so i'm trying to think i'm I'm looking through my uh i never watched that tons of people told me i should i just it's pretty great dude yeah it's it's special um and then lately because my kid you know recently he um said he's really into ninjago he's super into legos it's like yeah all he does is plays legos so very into ninjago and we listen to a lot of ninjago it's basically all the variations on this theme song called the weekend whip but it's like in different styles and um so you know one of the styles is like i'm, I'm like this is basically green day and oh interesting like, green yeah. <laughs> so we've been listening we've been listening to a little bit of green day, which he does not like as much as he likes the Ninjago stuff. Of um, and then it doesn't have Legos. Uh, so. Right. Yeah. I think he'll get there though. You know, it's a, it's a, it's more of like that two thousands green day, but in any case, um, then he also recently said, he's like, well, I don't like hip hop because hip hop's not catchy. So, um, okay. Natasha and I were like, well, I don't, I don't know about that dude. Like, you know, just look at, jay-z's like biggest hits you know like so kind of went through and that's what he's been listening to like in the shower lately is like um which is which is a big music listening time in our house for whatever reason oh for sure yeah no um, 100 so he's been like it's like all that stuff like uh h to the izzo um dirt off your shoulder money and a thing hard knock life uh, New York state of mind. Like he's, we've been kind of Jay-Z's big radio hits have been, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not new music, but that's, if no, I'm but totally it's, being it's, honest, I know that sometimes people want to get more esoteric, but his big radio hits have been like ubiquitous in our house for the last couple of months. Cause that's it, what it's he wants really, to to. yeah. It's really fun to kind of like re-experience music with your kids. Oh yeah. dude. Yeah. I, I love it. I remember there was one day where I think it was my son. I think it was my son. He's like, oh man, I just, you know, found this 
this band. He's like, you should totally check it out. I'm like, oh yeah, who is it? And he's like, Tool. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I know Tool. You know, and they just to see them excited about the stuff that like I was excited about when I was their age, or or they, you know, now them being adults will be like, oh, you should check out this band. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes I'm like, wow, that's not music intended for me because i did not enjoy it um right yeah, it's, yeah. It's so it's so fun to kind of like shit you know it's all media like i love sharing movies with my kids and you know just kind of having them experience what i experienced at you know as they grew up and and vice versa they'll be like my son turned me on to um what we do in the shadows which is amazing oh wow and, and he's like, you need to check this out. I mean, out. they're lucky they have a cool dad, dude. That's, that's <laughs> a big gift, honestly. They, they don't think I'm cool. <laughs> so, Well, th- there's that meme that's going around. It's like, um, it's it's Tom Araya at the Grammys with his wife and two maybe daughters. I don't know. They're, they look like they're, this is probably like five years ago or something, but they look like they're, last year Slayer probably went to the Grammys, but the daughters look like they're, say 15 and 17 or something like that and they're looking at tom Araya like oh god you know what I mean? it's like dude your dad is fucking the singer of slayer like yeah <laughs> um that is the uh, raddest place you could ever be and they think he's a fucking dork you know yeah yeah uh i got I, oh man i'm gonna blank on his name he's a like well-known character actor he's one of those guys who's in everything he was in twister and Bill Paxton? Um, no, no, kind of like one of the supporting people. Um, okay, and I'm I'm totally blanking on on his name, but I got to interview him, and um, you know he he do like spots on you know Frasier and and he was on um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. his kid was watching Always Sunny and he was doing the dishes. He just heard from the other room, "Ugh, that's right, you're in this." <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's so great because it, it's wow, that like dude. just sucked them right out of like being into the thing. We're like, oh, that's my dad. Um, oh yeah, I'm blanking on. I love name. that. Yeah, it was great. It's one of my favorite stories I think that came from an interview, just because it, it was so grounding. Of like, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, your your kids don't care. Like they're they're you're just mom or dad or whatever. They're like fine. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, well, you know, like, uh, there's, there's a video. I mean, this was well before he could have had any, uh, you know, recognition of what, what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, like he was probably, I think it was right before his first birthday, but we were playing a festival and, uh, I start playing float on, which is, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with writing that song, but you know, it's modest mouses. It's a massive hit. Like everyone, everyone knows that song you know and he's just strapped to my wife's chest and he's fucking sleeping yeah you know he's like he couldn't uh, i mean he was one but it'd probably be the same now like if i was up there playing photo on he would just be like i don't give a shit yeah okay um i mean he does he does like granddaddy's biggest song or one of our biggest songs the crystal lake he really likes that song um but you know recently he because i'll like when I'm working on cues for shows or whatever, like I sometimes he usually gets to be the DJ in the car, but there's times where it's like, I got to check this mix dude. Um, (laughs) So we're going to listen to dad's music for the next 20 minutes or whatever. And uh, he's, he's like, I go, what do you think of this? He's like, I mean, I guess it's good. It's just sounds. (laughs) They'll just destroy you. I love that. Like my, uh, in, I always tell, you know, like I have friends and whatever, and they'll be like, Oh, you're, you're famous. I'm like, I'm not famous. I'm just, I'm famous on two streets in Plymouth. That's it. Cause I work with so many businesses downtown that I've just gotten to know everyone who works in them, everyone who owns them, blah, blah. blah. And we we're having lunch and it, it was like post COVID. So there's all the, like the outdoor eating and I'm sitting there mm-hmm. with my kids and my youngest looks at me and goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? And they're like, no one said hi to you in five minutes. I'm just worried you're not okay. And I'm like, wow okay <laughs> thanks oh, a lot wow. man yeah it just they'll they'll just humble you in a second yeah yeah that's great yeah, totally yeah um, and also like for, for me like ozzy just hasn't been because the last shows that i played with modest mouse were 
late 2019, which he, you know, he was actually at the forum, you know, he played drums on stage at the forum, but I don't know, like, I think he, he definitely fell asleep during that show. Like he's in the front row at the forum. Yeah. But also like it, I think that's the other side of that is like it on some like very um, almost mitochondrial level, like he just doesn't give a shit. Cause like yeah. <laughs> he, he played drums at the forum when he was two, you know, right. He remembers it. And like, he's the couple of like, you know, celebrities that we know or whatever mm-hmm. are, are just kind of like, his friend's dads. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like he, he just, it's just like, he's not even looking at it through the lens of like popular culture. And he's just like, and I also think that's great. Cause when that comes into focus, it's just going to be like, Oh, that's a dude who's probably somebody's dad too, you know, yeah. like, or whatever. Like they're, just, they're just a normal person when they're not doing whatever they're doing. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Well, Jim, I want to say thank you for being a normal guy. <laughs> um, uh, where can Andy, people thank go? you so much for all your patience, man. Well, yeah, uh, no problem. But before we go, where can people go to get the album? Is it available on vinyl and all, you know, all it's the, not, it's not on vinyl yet. Stuff. The first one is available on vinyl um, through akprecordings.com, which is the first, you know, wonderful label division of danger bird um, that, so the first one is available on vinyl. Um, and then, you know, uh, this one is out on modern recordings, BMG. It's out digitally. Let's, let's all clamor about it. And eventually it'll be available on vinyl and, and hopefully we'll play some shows next year. Awesome. Yeah. So it's available now. So people can go check it out. And Jim, again, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Andy, thank you very much, yeah. man. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Happy new year. Thank and I you. wish you all the best in 2024, man. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, yeah, let us know. Feel free to reach out when you, when the next album comes out, we'll come back and talk more. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good one. All right. Take care. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns. Or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.